Good morning and welcome to the Automation Morning Show for, what is today? Monday, September 25th, 2023. My name is Sean Tierney from the Automation Blog and School. And this is a show where I typically uh, cover what's new and happening in industrial automation. And I don't know why I say typically, because that's what I do every day. I hope your morning's off to a great start. I'm going to just check over here. I actually put a bigger screen over there so I can see the chat without needing my glasses. Everything looks like it's working okay. So I'm hoping your day's off to a great start. I also got a little clock there too, so I never forget what the date is because I can't see the date on the computer. But in any case, with that, let's go ahead and get started here. I know the office is kind of a mess. Spent a lot of time this week in cleaning and rearranging. I got so much other stuff to mount up here. We got a bunch of equipment that came in for uh, some lessons we'll be doing on building your own PLC trainers. But um, let's go ahead and get started with today's show. And uh, I want to start with just a reminder. This is at theautomationblog.com forward slash follow. Just a reminder of, um, you know, just to ask you, if you do enjoy the show, please like it, subscribe, follow, and uh, share it. It really helps us grow the audience and find new vendors to come on the show or new vendors to cover on the new show. And in any case, I did work on this on Friday in between is uh, trying to fix Pandora. I, we're having issues with Pandora podcast uh, index. TuneIn and Deezer. So I am working on those. Everything else is up and running. And those are only for the automation podcast. As far as the uh, automation morning show, um, I still, uh, we never did submit the pod chaser. And for some reason, Deezer's not working. But in any case, if you want to know updates on which platforms we're on and what's working or not, theautomationblog.com forward slash follow. So with that, from there, we go over to theautomationschool.com. They're sponsoring this morning's show. And I want to thank them. If you know anybody, who needs PLC, HMI, or skater training, please mention theautomationschool.com to them. From there, we go over to our first press release. This is uh, from uh, Mitsubishi Electric Automation. And this is on their new Mel Servo J5 portfolio of servo motors and amplifiers. And this is pretty cool. And I, I got to adjust that screen over there. But uh, in any case, um, this is, um, you know, they've added quite a bit here. They have a high-speed one, a high RPM model that does 3,000 RPM. They also have uh, added some new things to the programming. So uh, they added a simple motion mode for the RD78G motion module. They also added advanced synchronous control, a point table, or what they call positioning mode. Um, they also added uh, um, improvements in uh, networking with master follower operation, as well as... Um, synchronized, uh, and that's for their synchronized servo system, but also auto detection of IP addresses on CC-Link IETSN. So a lot of great stuff there. If you want to know more, check out the press release. You'll find the link over at automate.news later this morning. From there, we go over to a press release from Bill Weedman. Now, this is on their self-configuring I.O. modules for material handling systems. Pretty cool stuff. These are designed to go in the duct, in the cable ducts, right? So go right in the cable ducts. And on um, the self-configuring, you can also use this software to uh, preset the inputs and outputs if you want. But in any case, uh, it looks like they have uh, the options for these modules are 16 in and out. And um, just an interesting product, uh, you, all M12 connectors and uh, two signals per M12 connector. And it seems like the update rate on Aussie 5 is uh, 1.27 milliseconds, so fairly fast. Um, from there, just a reminder, if you want to learn more about Aussie, we did have Bill Weedman on a show. I want to get him back on, too. But we did have him back uh, back on pop Podcast 83. 
Uh, they came on to tell us all about the Aussie Field Bus and how it works and what it's all about. So you can either watch and listen right here on uh, theautomationblog.com or on any of the destinations we go out to. From there, we go over to Rockwell. They had a press release. They're working with this new company, or with a company, uh, new for them. They're working with a company called Everactive, okay? And I'm like, I never heard of this. But they uh, have condition monitoring products, and Rockwell wants to in integrate them and work with them for their, uh, you know, condition monitoring solutions. So in any case, uh, I went over to the Everactive site. And you can see here, machine vibration monitoring. And I thought it was pretty cool. If you come down here, We'll see a picture of the products. Let's see if I can zoom in on that a little bit. Okay, and here's the interesting thing. This is the uh, vibration monitoring product, but this thing is how they go batteryless, right? And we've talked about devices like this in the past. So let me come down here under the video. So here's the vibration monitoring device, right? The Ever Sensor. And then if we come down, uh, right, actually the slider right here, we can see there's two ways you can power this without needing a battery. Number one is a temperature harvester that we've seen other products like this on the show before. And um, the other one we had seen had round fins on it. This one has um, a rectangular fins on it. But basically, if, if the ambient air is at least 15 degrees Fahrenheit different from uh, the temperature of whatever this is mounted to, it'll provide free power, power for your sensor for life. So very, very cool. Now they also have uh, a solar version of this. So if you're any place where you get lots of light, like 66 lux of light, um, that will power your sensor again for free, no battery needed. You know, not that there's anything wrong with batteries, but the cost to replace those batteries over time can be quite high from a maintenance level, not from a product level. The batteries are usually pretty inexpensive, but from a maintenance level, just very time consuming if you have thousands of these in your plant. So I thought that was interesting. From there, we go over to a press release from Yokogawa. They just released an update for their OperaX, I hope I'm saying that correctly, OperaX data model broker. And what this does, I thought this was interesting. This allows them to read in P and ID drawings. That's piping and instrumentation diagrams um, created in 2D CAD software and automatically generate intelligent P and IDs as well as instrumentation lists. So if you're using OperaX or looking at it from uh, Yokogawa, that seems like a really cool new feature. From there, we go over to our sponsored product of today. This is a PLC Basics Extended Second Edition. This course, I designed this for electricians, technicians, and engineers who really have no PLC experience and just want to get in there and start programming and using them and troubleshooting them. And uh, so in this course, I used the Micrologix 1100 for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, Alan Bradley, right? North America, they still are the number one uh, market shareholder, right, for in PLCs by far. And... Uh, if you learn the MicroLogics, right, you're learning really the Slick 500, PLC5, and ladder logic and control logics. Now, there's some difference as far as the tags and control logics. You know, and the addressing of the PLC5 and Slick are a little slightly different, right? Rack group slot versus, you know, just a very easy, intuitive, you know, just a slot and word uh, of the Slick 500. But really, if you look at the ladder from all three of those, very difficult to tell the difference between, uh, you know, any RS logics and uh, RS Logix Micro. The other thing is it's free. RS Logix Micro for the 1100, 1000, and the free Slick 500 emulator is free. So you can do this entire course for free. And uh, we're looking forward, I uh, have a developer working on a PLC simulator. It's actually a PLC and application simulator 
for us and um, that will be free for this course as well. So if you uh, just want to install that little simulator, it will work with all our PLC courses. So very excited about that. Um, but in any case, that's our featured product for today, PLC Basics Extended Second Edition. Uh, from there, we go over to Linmart. Now, Linmart has an article about increasing profitability with accurate force control. And they what they have is they have a force control module that goes on one of their linear actuators, all right? And um, you can see it here. It goes to, a, it just presses up against that part, that yellow part, until it e equals a particular force, and then it stops. And so they're saying there's four things. I'm not going to go through all the details. But they're saying there's four things about uh, force control that'll help you increase your profitability. First of all, achieving precise control. Second, uh, force control flexibility. Third, enhance your sustainability efforts. Basically, reduce power consumption, right? If you don't have to put too much, if you're not putting more force into the part than you need to, save power, right? And then fourth, uh, shrink uh, TCL, total cost of ownership, right? So um, very interesting article. Uh, the video was pretty good too. So if you're interested, check that out. From there, we go over to an article from Universal Robots. And they're talking about common robotic machine tending applications. And so we've talked about machine tending. We've talked about cobots quite a bit on the show this year. And, um, you know, they, they, you know, a lot of the concerns about installing cobots are floor space, complexity, lead times, limited flexibility, and total cost, right? And so they try to address this with, uh, th I think, three uh, case uh, use cases for uh, cobots and machine tending. And the first being CNC machine tools. So I think we all, uh, even if we don't work with CNCs every day, we all are pretty familiar with the fact that, um, you know, loading and unloading CNCs typically takes uh, um, some care and some dexterity. And, uh, you know, it's a, one place where cobots are used quite often. Uh, another place is welding. Excuse me. <coughs> uh, you know, in welding, um, if, if you're doing a very repetitive weld over and over and over again, it's a good place for a cobot, right? And then uh, a third one is injection molding. I think we've all seen the injection molding machines. You may even have them in your facility where, you know, the parts, when the, when the mold opens, the parts just don't neatly fall on a conveyor belt and now whisked away, right? Or fall into a, a bin and, and then are fed somewhere else, right? Um, there are a lot of these applications where, like I'm thinking golf balls, where they need an operator to actually get in there and remove the cores or whatever their injection molding, right? And so, and this could be for presses too, right? Because presses are similar. And so, in any case, um, this is another application where cobots can be very helpful, either loading or unloading these injection molding machines, depending on the application. So with that, I thought that was interesting. And uh, three interesting applications. Now we go over to Locust Robotics. Now they typically are talking AMRs for warehousing, right? But uh, in any case, here in this article, they're talking about the four top logistic myths about AI and robotics. And they're going to demystify them in this article. Again, I'm not going to read the whole article, but let's take a look at what they say the four myths are. Number one, myth one, worker layoffs. All right, so we all know, I think most of us know, that automation typically doesn't lay people off. Just like the fact that, um, you know, the car became popular and, and, and people stopped using, you know, horses, horse-drawn buggies or carriages to get around, right? They started using cars. You know, we just saw an explosion of... You know, uh, you know, be, people be able to travel and transportation and shipping. You know, everything just got, you know, more efficient and better because um, you didn't have to take care of a horse. I hate to say it, but uh, in any case, um, 
So typically with automation, right, this is the other story too about ATMs. Like ATMs are going to put out all of the, you know, tell bank tellers, but studies show that the bank tellers, there's actually so many more of them and they're not doing the mindless thing of just handing out, you know, counting dollar bills anymore, right? They're actually doing more things like setting up accounts and, you know, uh, doing cashier's checks and other things that, are, you know, are, is not as mindless as just handing out cash, right? Although if they want to hand out extra cash to me, I'll always take it. Um, myth number two, unaffordable costs. So these guys, all of these robotic companies have been doing this for a very long time and they can tell you exactly what the ROI is going to be on your application. Um, myth, uh, myth number three, long implementation periods. Again, they've been doing it for a while, so they get a pretty good idea how long it's going to take to implement uh, an application. They've seen all kinds of applications, so they probably give you a good ballpark on how long it's going to take to implement it. And then number four, um, you know, the myth about, uh, you know, robots being prone to making mistakes, right? And especially in warehousing. But, you know, I remember back, there's automated warehousing back in the 90s, you know, at, um, you know, big consumer goods factory. I mean, these things have been out there, you know, forever. So the fact that you think they're not going to work, I mean, maybe AMRs are new to you because they're autonomous, right? But in any case, uh, these companies wouldn't be in business if, they couldn't have reliable performance, right? So uh, with that, that is a summary of that article. If you want to read the whole article, of course, the link will be at automate.news. Um, from there, we go over to a new article from OnLogic. I thought this was really interesting. So we just had them. We just recorded an episode with them. I had a great time talking with them, talking about their product lines. I actually learned about some products I didn't know they had. And um, with that, um, this article here today from them is about one of their industrial computers that lived for 10 years, actually a rugged computer that survived for 10 years and nothing more than a plywood shed in upstate uh, New Hampshire. So in any case, very interesting uh, story. Uh, you may be curious what finally died. It was the SSD. So they replaced the SSD and it kept on trucking. But again, another example of where rugged computers, you know, this is a level above, you know, this is like your extreme industrial computer, right? It's a level above your standard industrial computer. Uh, typically for, for uh, temperature range, right? More than just zero to 50 C. So in any case, interesting article there. Look forward to releasing that uh, that uh, uh, podcast with them shortly. And with that, we go over to um, ProSoft. ProSoft has an article here where they talk about their products and they kind of, you know, they're talking about edge connectivity and they break it down to seven areas. And I wanted to share those with you. Um, let me zoom in on this. So we can see networking, ingestion, security, control, analysis, visualization, and storage. So those are the seven areas they break up edge connectivity into. And I thought that would be a good opportunity to talk about. We've actually had ProSoft on our show three times. So uh, first, if you want to learn about their data logging options, um, we had them on to talk about Data Logger Plus back in Podcast 98. Very cool uh, DINRAIL mount product. From there, we also had them on in uh, episode 103 to talk about their remote access gateways, okay, and their ProSoft Connect software. So that creates that, that um, you know, VPN tunnel, secure VPN tunnel between your facility and whoever is connected remotely. And there's some pretty cool features with that. It looks uh, real easy to use. And then the last time we had them on is when they wanted to talk about their Ethernet to Data Highway Plus gateway. And um, this is a product I use the uh, old X2 version of that. But uh, the X4 is fairly new, and it does, uh, I know it says DHRIO. I think the current rev supports Ethernet, the Data Highway Plus. And they actually sent us a unit to, uh, to, to, 
play with. Um, just, uh, you know, I'm looking for time to play with it. So we, we typically don't accept free samples because it's like, where do you find the time to play with stuff, right? So um, we're going to keep the lights on. But I hope, I hope to get some time to play with that and maybe integrate it into my, uh, into my courses, uh, you know, especially the, the, with the devices that do Data Hover Plus. But in any case, we always appreciate everybody's samples. Um, from there, we go over to Software Toolbox. Now, they have a new article on um, the what, why, where, and how of Data Hub scripting. I thought this was very interesting. So their Data Hub, we've covered it before on the show. I love to get them actually to get them on the show to, to talk about it, maybe do a demo. But their Data Hub typically connects IT to OT. So, you know, connecting PLCs to databases or other devices, right, on both sides. But they also have some scripting built in, which is uh, cool. It looks like C or C++, but they actually call it Gamma because, of course, some of the functions of the module wouldn't be in C++, so they can't use native C++. Um, but I really wanted to go through some of the use cases for it. So here you can, oops, there goes the menu. Sometimes you zoom in on these sites, you get a big menu. Okay, so some of the use cases are include um, performing a one-shot read on a specific tag. So let's say you wanted to do a one-shot based on something that happened and read a tag and put it in the database. All right, we used to do that with Transaction Manager or Rascal for you old-timers. Um, read data based on a timer or data change. Uh, compute averages, uh, create new points inside a data hub. Okay, there was an example in here where somebody just used it to input all of their tags. Um, write a new value to an existing data hub point and break in an array into individual points, right? So sometimes you just want all the bits. You don't want the 32-bit array of data. You want all the individual bits, or maybe you have uh, 32 words in an array and you just want one word out of there. So interesting stuff. From there, we go over the new uh, literature. Here we have a, uh, a new, well, actually, this is a new product from uh, SMC. This is a frame clamp cylinder. This is their WRF100 series. So that's a new product from SMC. Um, just want to remind you, too, uh, I know last week was a little crazy, but um, we did get the podcast working. I know it went out late because of a glitch in the, in the system of our host. But in any case, it is working now. It should You should see it on iTunes and, and Google and all those places you can get our podcast. And that was on SMC's air management system, which not only is it a, a you know, power-saving, you know, just home run, but also, um, you know, condition monitoring aspects of it are pretty huge as well. So definitely something to look at if you're using compressed air in your systems. From there, we go over to our digital newsstand. And today we found one new... Uh, digital newsletter, and this is from Automation Direct. And they have a couple things here up top. They're talking about a, a case study where they, a customer took on their own uh, integration work and they were developing with the uh, productivity series of PLCs. We have another one where Automation Direct is now offering pickup locations. They have those bins like in our area, like they have them at Home Depot where they have the automated bins. You just go up to the screen, you scan a QR code and your bin opens up and you can get your product. Pretty cool. They also have uh, uh, a lot of uh, news here about new products. A couple of the highlights for me were the Endress Hauser PicoMag series. I think we talked about that previously, as well as new um, Hammond enclosures available as well. Then down here, they have an article about their system integrated program, as well as uh, making CAD drawings available for the products they have, and some other things too you can see down here. So the latest Automation Direct newsletter is out. It's issue nine, volume 25. From there, we go to downloads, and there's a new download. It's called a, uh, this is from Siemens, it's called a multi-field bus configuration tool. 
So this is one of the trends that I think is great in the industry where products are coming out with supporting multiple field buses. And this is a tool like a Windows 10 tool that you can use to configure your projects. In this case, for instance, like an ET200SP um, interface module that supports uh, multiple uh, field buses. So that tool is available and they added some new uh, support in it. DALI, SciWireX, uh, TMFast all now added and supported. So from there we go over to events. We get a couple of new events coming up. First one is Tuesday, October 3rd at 2 p.m. Eastern. This is from Horner and it's about their analog totalizer. So if you're interested in that, check that out. And we also have a new one from Cognex. This is, well, it's entitled Solve Your Next Automotive Application with Easy to Use Automation. So we've covered a lot of their new vision products, right? And so uh, part of the, the bullets for this event is what is your machine vision? What is it? And what are its benefits? And how can edge learning, you know, be a benefit as well? So, um, you know, a lot of these new vision products from these vendors just have so much intelligence built in. It really simplifies um, uh, putting, uh, putting these systems in. And so this is going to be October 4th. It's only a half an hour and it's at 3 p.m. Eastern. Okay, so check that out if you're interested. From there, we're now at new literature and we see we have a new operating instructions for the planetary gearboxes from Siemens. Um, we also have a uh, electromotoric, electromotoric <laughs> actuator manual from Siemens. Um, and their BACnet router. I didn't know they had a BACnet router. But this is the uh, PXG 3.L and 3.M BACnet router. Very interesting there. New manual on that. And a couple new manuals on their uh, S7 connector version 2 and their OPC UA connector version 2. Um, we also see uh, the Sirius Motor Starters M200D has a new equipment manual. And over on Rockwell's website, we have a new manual for Thin Manager 13.2 and Thin Client. So a uh, very popular product there. And um, over on the Emerson site, we had a new uh, transducer assembly upgrade kit instructions for the Rosemont gas ultra ultrasonic meters. Now, uh, as far as in our other science and technology section, we got two articles today. The first one is about from highway to skyway. Are flying cars coming soon? This is from Siemens. And uh, it's an interesting article. Now, if you're a late boomer or a Gen Xer, like I am, then you're probably thinking, hey, where is my flying car? We were promised flying cars, right? George Jetson and all that. And uh, in any case, so I thought this was a very interesting article. Um, I do think we're going to see an explosion in um, just um, inventiveness, ingenuity in the coming years. And so we we'll probably will get our flying cars sooner or later. But uh, I thought it was a fun article to read. And then over on uh, IEEE Spectrum, there's a more a serious article. And this one is about refresh rates of monitors. And I thought this was very interesting. Of course, gamers want high, high refresh. I think my laptop has um, 240 uh, refresh rate. But... Everything I have for business, I do 60 hertz and it's great, right? The old movies used to be 24 frames per second, right? So um, even a lot of stuff like for streaming, like this show, I love to do in 60, but one of the platforms doesn't support 60, so we do it at 30 frames per second. We're just looking really at web pages, so not a big deal, but um, most everything I buy is 60. I know a lot of 4K cameras, if you want to get 60, they want a thousand bucks or more, which is kind of sad, but in any case, 
If you ever wondered about refresh rates on monitors, um, I thought this was a very good technical article about it. It talks about some of the challenges. Um, one of the companies actually has a 500 hertz refresh rate. And um, that's, that's, that's really fast because they had not only have to turn the pixels on, but they have to hold them there long enough for you to see them, right? And so how fast is that? And then, you know, a lot, a lot goes into it. So very interesting article. All right, with that, if you think I missed any news today, please use the news tip link to fill in this form and let me know what I missed. Also, um, if you want to tell me what, how you feel about any of the articles, I mean, you can just say hi or you can say, hey, I want to provide this feedback. You can use the talk back link. I also want to thank theautomationschool.com for sponsoring this episode. If you know anybody who needs PLC HMI or SCADA training, please mention theautomationschool.com to them. Um, also, uh, I want to thank you guys for following me over at automation.locals.com. We are now up to 1,240 followers, so that's a benchmark. That was great. Uh, several of you joined up. Uh, now, you can also support us over there, too, for one cup of coffee a month, two bucks. You can take part in the Q&A over there and everything. I forget what the last Q&A we had was. Um, I think it was about an EN2T. Yeah, about an ENT2 module. So in any case, any questions you have, any thoughts you have, you can just post them over there or you can answer questions too. From there, I want to thank everybody who picked up a copy of my ebook, whether it's Control Logics, Compact Logics ebook, or one of my video collections over at the automationblog.com forward slash tab, as well as anybody who picked up a coffee cup or t-shirt at forward slash shop. Uh, with that, just a reminder that every single link we cover and all, oh gee, was, what are we on? 108, episode 108, 109 for the year. Every single link is over at automate.news. Uh, no www.no.com, it's just automate.news. And um, you can see them all here. We do have, if you missed uh, last week's episodes, I've been touting the fact that we can search by uh, vendors now. So if you only have a couple of vendors you're very interested in, I think we have over 100 links to Siemens. We got like 80 for Rockwell. I think we got 50 for Schneider. So you can see them all in here. And um, yeah, so you can filter by type or by vendor now very easily. And you can also search. When you search, it'll search by those categories as well. Still some other things I want to do with this site. But again, it's one of those things where you need a little inspiration. It's like, how am I going to make this happen? Or time to ask. And in one case, I want to show more tags down here. And I need, really need uh, the vendor to tell me how to edit their code to do that. So, But in any case, that is uh, automate.news. And with that, I want to thank you all for watching. I hope you have an awesome Monday. I'm hoping to be able to clean up this mess today and reply to all my emails. But in any case, um, it's 8 o'clock, so I'll let you get to work. I hope you have a courageous, fearless, and awesome day. And until next time, my friends, peace.